Tonight on episode 131 of the Guy at the Movies podcast, we are talking The Last of Us, Knock at the Cabin, DCU's Chapter 1, and a whole lot more. Hey, Sean, knock, knock. We're here to stop the apocalypse. <laughs> that was Batman as Dave Batista. <laughs> knock, knock. Oh, oh, I'm do- oh, we're doing a bit. Who's there? <laughs> you are terrible. I, you are terrible listen, at this. I, I don't know how to... <laughs> You are absolutely terrible at this. We'll figure this out before we get started on the other side of the opening here. Everyone is part of the family at this point. It used to be my fan fiction idea that I had. So this movie was garbage. You are a monster beyond all belief. Put them all in the thing and let them do the thing. You know what I mean? How? You're lucky to have me back. You're never going to get 60 million people because you're not a Super Bowl. Shut up. So chaotic. Welcome to episode 131 of the Guy at the Movies podcast. I am Joe. He is Sean. Sean, how are you? Oh, I am freezing cold. Is it bad where you are too? It is extremely cold. Last night I got out of work late and it was 15 degrees out. Um, I am not into this. It's probably colder where you are, actually. We are in single digits here, yes. which is like kind of this catch-22, because last week it was great to be in shorts, but also that was just like a telltale sign that the earth is dying. And now it's <laughs> like, I mean, this is good that this is happening, but at the same time, like, I only to let Scooter out, I just get a blast of cold air. And I think he's whining because he wants a walk, but I don't think he realizes how bad it is. I know, I know. Let me tell you, trying to train a puppy to actually go outside <laughs> to go to the bathroom is really great during the cold, because he just sprints back towards the door. Uh, and he's also like 11 pounds, so the wind yesterday was scaring the shit out of him. <laughs> he was freaking out. Scooter was freaking out as well at the wind. He was just so upset, and I'd never seen him before like this, but like the wind would just blow at him, and he would freak out and start barking. It was it was quite brilliant. Hashtag dog dads. Dog dads. Um, <laughs> all right, so we have a lot to get through tonight, because as mentioned in the opening here, we did get the first chapter, or the announcement of the first chapter of the DC Universe uh, so there's a lot to unpack there, but we also have new releases, a couple uh, great new, um, I'm going to say great new podcasts, but a couple great new trailers that we have to discuss, uh, as well as some other news that we want to get to. So why don't we dive right into this? And I put the Boogeyman trailer on the uh, on the schedule here, on the outline, because I'm very interested to get your reaction on the Boogeyman as uh, someone who does not very much enjoy our films like this. <laughs> I, I don't know about this one. I So the Boogeyman trailer was a little bit interesting. I just remember they did a Boogeyman trailer when I, or a Boogeyman movie when I was in high school with uh, the oldest child from 7, se- I almost said 7-Eleven, 7-Heaven, <laughs> um, who probably now works at 7-Eleven. Um, and uh, I- Burn. <laughs> yeah, major burn on the guy that probably gets a shit ton of residuals. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, he doesn't have to work. So that's why he's not. Um, but uh, and I don't remember his name, but that's fine. Um <laughs> So, yeah, in regards to this, I won't lie, I, I kind of dug the trailer. I dug that it was a little bit simplistic, a good, like, yeah. not a teaser, because it was like a full, like, two and a half minutes. But it didn't show a lot. It was simplistic enough. I like the structure of the trailer. This does seem like a Stephen King property where he's just like, I don't know. Take it. Boogeyman. <laughs> yeah, like Boogeyman. <laughs> like This was one of the ones where he was like, it's been a year since he made a novel. So he's like, okay, Boogeyman, sure. Um <laughs> The trailer does play with still what is my worst fear, which is turning on a flashlight in a dark area and seeing something there, which is just always going to bother me. I don't know why. Just like, oh, like I'm always just going to think something's going to be right there looking at me. So 
I, you know, cool. I'm, I'm in on it regards to that. So I don't know. I, I, I what, what is this coming out in June? It'll be a fun summer movie, I guess. Is it June? I think it said June. Maybe that. Would, yeah. Why did I feel like it was like March? Oh, it seems because it seems more like a March movie. Oh, you honestly. are totally right. June second, they're already dropping a trailer for it in January. That is an interesting choice there. Yeah. Um, did you see who the director is? Oh, probably, but maybe I didn't recognize him. Who was it? Rob Savage of Host and um, uh, Dashcam. Okay. And so I'm. That's why I am intrigued. This is him doing a um, official narrative look of a feature. So. Yep. Okay, I'm interested to see if that. I mean, it's it's definitely an easier format, I would argue, <laughs> like actually to not have to be held to a computer screen. But um, interesting. I didn't see dash cam because um, I don't. I it would be VOD, and if I'm going to do VOD these days with the streamers I have, it's because I definitely have to. Um, so it's a I movie. Will... No <laughs> exactly. Oh God, movie, freaking movie. So now, just to deviate from this for a second, movie is buying movies from Sundance now. Oh really? Yeah, so they are they are gonna be a legit streamer, and now I think I have to get movie, which you spoke this into existence. I'm you did so this. pissed off at movie right now. It's like just just absorb another streamer, dude. Come on. You did this. This is all you. I yeah. <laughs> Our podcast launched the popularity of um <laughs> of um, movie. Dashcam is on Hulu, by the way. Oh, nice. Well, I've got myself a weekend free. So <laughs> that might that might be something I try out. All right. Next one we have to talk about is uh, We Have a Ghost. Um, this is a Netflix film starring David Harbour, Anthony Mackie. Uh, very interesting premise here where basically they move into a home and there is a ghost who happens to be David Harbour, who likes to, for the first half of the, uh, the, the trailer, run through walls uh, running away. Um, and then it turns into a little bit of like a comedy, but looks like by the end of the trailer, I was like, oh, it has some heart. Um, I don't know. This just looks goofy, but I'm into it. I'll watch it. I, I should be clear. I'm I'm rooting for films to be good, but the, the fact that this has the Netflix tag, <laughs> it's like coming out in February, and it doesn't look spectacular. I'm a little bit worried about this one. I it looks like very high budget Netflix studio type of thing, um, which. Sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. It seems like uh, David Harbour is sticking with the uh, Stranger Things crew. Uh, but it was the producers of Stranger Things that are working on Boogeyman, right? Because I watched these trailers simultaneously almost. And so. Oh, I don't even know that. I remember they did. Well, they did the tag of like, you know, kind of like Blumhouse always says, from the producers of Get Out. Get out. It's like, dude, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, just absolutely not. Don't be doing that bullshit. Um, so I, you know, I. This one I, I have a pretty much a negative prediction for, but I once again will love to see you know David Harbour have some fun. Would love to see a fun horror comedy with some heart. I, I hope I enjoy it. Um, I'm just worried about its look. It seems a little bit too overproduced. Yeah, it looks a little. You know what it gave me um, flashbacks to, which isn't really a great uh, you know tag for it is. Um... Hoobie Halloween. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, yeah, no, it's like goofy. Like, it's weird that they're not like marketing the Halloween angle for this and they're going with February because it seems like it's not scary. And yeah. it seems like they're just going for like the ho Halloween comedy, which I think can only like really be enjoyed in the fall. But I mean, who knows what their goal is here? The Boogeyman's uh, screenplay was written by Scott Beck and Brian Woods, who wrote A Quiet Place. Okay. Um, and then with We Have a Ghost. 
Uh, let's see here. It is not giving me the details that I am <laughs> looking for. Um, that is wonderful. I will say that Jennifer Coolidge in this, though, I'm very into it. <laughs> okay, so well, I, I'm worried about the Jennifer Coolidge bubble. Uh, <laughs> we are we are highlighting a lot. She's been amazing, obviously, in White Lotus, and she's been she was like the best part of. Um, Shotgun uh, wedding. Was it a shotgun wedding, or some would argue the only good part? Uh, either way, um, she was the you know be- sort of the best part of that. Um, so you know, keep her going. I want to see her keep getting work. I'm worried we're gonna like you know overplay our hand with Jennifer Coolidge in this Jennifer Coolidge Renaissance. Although to just like you know once again deviate from my point, um, I love that she is just absolutely roasting the Long Island medium. Like that, <laughs> that part is like the absolute trash human. I'm so happy she's just going. It's like it's a straight recreation and just an absolute just like just stab right at her. And I'm like, okay, I'm in for that. I'm in for the this. This at least is gonna get a D for um you know the one positive of making fun of the Long Island medium. So it's definitely starting there. We have a ghost is directed and written by Christopher Landon who did uh, hmm. Freaky. Uh, as oh, well as, they said that in the trailer. Yeah. Yep. Happy Death Day to you. He wrote. Um, he wrote the last Paranormal Activity, which isn't a big uh, oh, plus yeah. for him. But then also wrote and did the screenplays for the. It looks like all of the Paranormal Activities after one, um, which is interesting. So uh, that will be kind of fascinating to see uh, how he. Oh, and he directed Happy Death Day, the first one. Um, so be, say, let's hope. Yeah. Yeah, so it would be interesting to see kind of how this. He has a good following, I think. Those are very fun movies. Yeah. Spent, like Freaky is a li- no, no, they're all pretty fun. I'll, I'll, I won't go there. I won't go too far in criticizing those movies. They're all a lot of fun. So if this ends up just being the good old fashioned fun, I'll take it. He also is a very handsome man. Oh, nice. Um, hold on one second. Got to do a little deep dive on Christopher Landon here. Oh boy. <laughs> um. Oh yeah. Okay. He is a gay man. Perfect. Okay. Uh, I mean, of course, of course, Freaky was made by a gay guy. I don't know why that just seems like that. That is perfect, but yeah, that works. We got another one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's dive into what we've been watching, and let's start with The Last of Us. We haven't checked in about The Last of Us. We're three episodes in, and I think that after episode three, it's probably a really good time to check in. Um, we, you and I, have talked offline about this. This is a show that I was a little nervous about coming into because number one, it's based on a video game. Number two, uh, it's dealing with zombie stuff and zombie esque stuff, and we've had a shit ton of that. Um, but man, I really am enjoying the storytelling here because it seems like they started with the story and then put everything else in afterwards. Um, the clickers, as they're referred to, are, oh, yeah. are terrifying. Um, and Pedro Pascal is wonderful, as is oh my gosh, I'm going to forget her name, Bella Ramsey. Bella Ramsey is wonderful. She's funny as shit, by the way, in the second episode. Um, but uh, we got this third episode this past week uh, that kind of deviated a little bit from the main story, um, but gave us a little bit more background. And from what I understand, it was background about a character, uh, Bill, who we um, is addressed and is in the games, but doesn't have such a fleshed out story. Uh, and we get a really lovely story here that talks that shows his love for an individual who uh, wanders onto his land. And I just was crying by the end of it. So um, such a well done episode. Um, Nick Offerman and is it Mary Bartlett or is it Murray Bartlett? Bartlett Murray? Yeah, <laughs> I always get them reversed. Um, <laughs> Bartlett Murray. <laughs> yeah, Bartlett Murray. Um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful turn. And hey, Nick Offerman going for that Emmy here. Yeah. Um... I uh, I was blown away by that episode. Um, it it works as a short film, 
uh, and that's the best way you can look at it. Um, it's just insanely bold to, in the third episode, when you're trying to introduce characters, to throw in this, um, you know, somewhat linked, but very rarely linked uh, storyline. Um, and I, I was blown away by it. It was like beautiful and everything. But I think it also was great that they had this episode. Because first of all, from a um, PR standpoint or from a business standpoint, this is the episode everyone's talking about right now. And so this definitely drew in a lot of viewers. Like I'm, I'm sure of it. Like because everyone's just like absolutely like, like. I mean, granted, we're in a very tight film Instagram bubble, but uh, where most people are watching Night Court, um, but, <laughs> which just got renewed for season two. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing against the show. I heard it's actually quite fun, but still, um, I'm sort of uh, blown away by uh, like how how much of a bold move this was. But it's a good move for the storytelling as well. So business side, great move storytelling a really great move because sure this doesn't have to do with the two main characters but it does have to mention the like log line that i believe the creator said is the reason why they had this episode is you know survival is not enough and i think that's something that's very important in these types of shows because you know there's like, like that. there's like 20 episodes or 20 seasons of the walking dead where they are just trying to survive and they do have like a human angle on that but i think they managed to capture that really early with this and i think like you know the past two episodes had a opening scene that uh, had to do with either like a you know a talk show host talking to a scientist or a scientist realizing, hey, you're going to have to firebomb the city. And I think that those were great episodes to say, like, hey, there was a civilization before this, and this is where everything began to unravel. And this one, it was a little bit different, where it's like, hey, the civilization unraveled, but these are these two people going through those 20 years. Um, I will say that everyone has been commenting, like, that's not what 10 miles outside of Boston looks oh, I like. Know, I know. <laughs> I will say this. Yeah, you're right. That's not what 10, 10 miles outside of Boston looks like. There's also no such thing as mushroom people, so shut the hell up. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, do they actually film this in a different place? Like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Like, guys, guess what? Quantum Realm isn't actually filmed in the Quantum Realm. Oh. Why did you just turn into the Swedish chef when you did that? Ooh. <laughs> like, unarticulate noises, just upset. <laughs> but I don't know why. I guess I'll be defensive of Boston for a moment. I don't know why I needed to have that happen, but... I, yeah, so that was like my main, uh, well, my main gripe of the criticisms. Um, I think they could have, they could have gotten away without putting that up there. Yeah, they could have. They could have <laughs> just said like forty-five miles outside of Boston. They could have just said outside of Boston somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> outside of Boston, which is everywhere else. Everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> There's um a few podcasts that I've talked about how because this happened in 2003 that Boston isn't the city of champions that uh, we have. They'd only won. <laughs> One or two Super Bowls. They never got to the uh, Sox. Never won those three World Series. The Celtics didn't oh win God. the finals, and the Bruins didn't win the Cup, which is utterly hilarious to me, but pretty great. Um, so that's my Boston deviation. Boston talk. Um, <laughs> Boston talk. Back to this. I absolutely love it. Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett are just gonna. I hope they just end up battling for the uh, guest star Emmy because unfortunately that's what they're gonna have to qualify for, unless they're in other parts of this show, which who knows. Um, but I, I, I was bummed out that we didn't get these characters and this gay romance that just isn't really focused on the gay and it's just focused on two people falling in love is great for representation. It's great that they don't make a big deal about it, which, you know, we'll talk about in our other property we're going to mention. Um, and I, I just really like absolutely loved that this was just a tender romance. And Sam and I were on the couch and the moment the first kiss happened, we were both like, uh, uh. Uh, yeah! <laughs> it was just like because you're happy for these people, you're happy for their experience. Um, no, I, I really love this one. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed how exactly what you're saying, how they kind of just naturally went into the story. And the thing that the show's doing so well is humanizing the individuals that are in it, which is setting it apart from, I think, a lot of the other properties that kind of go down the same road in terms of uh, post-apocalyptic zombie walkers type things. Um, so I really, really liked this episode, really enjoyed it in the sense that it it gives you a little bit more of a, a dynamic or the dynamic about Pedro Pascal's character as well. Um, and um, did you just quit the live stream, by the way? <laughs> My Instagram shut down. I'll bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just I really enjoyed what, what what's happening uh, with this show. I think they're doing a great job with it. I think the performances were great. The storytelling above all else was just really um, phenomenal in my in my opinion. Um, the writing is just incredible as well. And what you mentioned at the beginning is that it is such a wild step for them to uh, jump into this in the third episode. And it is getting review bombed, of course, and people are losing their shit because two men kissed. And, you know, I can't believe that's still a thing that we're dealing with here. Um, but uh, what an absolutely beautiful episode that I um, will watch again and probably cry at. Uh, and, I saw a movie later that night called Of an Age, which also is about a uh, a gay romance, and it really messed with me as well. So it was a really great day of watching um, sad gay romances. But I was genuinely worried if we just go into like behind the scenes of this because you mentioned how like several times you mentioned how you were going to um, uh, talk about uh, like watch this episode, and you like you didn't say anything to me. So it was kind of the opposite of what you're usually used to, and I was just like, he hasn't said anything yet. Is he not going to like this episode? What the hell? <laughs> like, like, well, God. I downloaded it for the plane the other day, and then I went to get like to watch it on the plane, and HBO Max was like, you're not connected. I'm like, right. That's why I downloaded it's it. It's a downloading purpose. <laughs> um, so I couldn't watch it until the following day. Um, but I, and it's funny you bring that up, because when you texted me and you were like, have you seen the Last of Us episode yet? I was like, oh, it must be really good. Like, Because you are not <laughs> someone who texts after anything. I like organic conversations on the pod, so I always want to make sure. <laughs> and so, like, I never act like like the text. And then, um, I was like, with this one, I was like, okay, because like you know, it's a streaming, so it's yeah. a bit tough. Who knows when we're gonna see it? But uh, I, I mean, this is like you know, I want to look at the numbers now from uh, episode three to episode four. It's gonna be really interesting to see what yeah. that does. I, I hope it brings on people. I, they're not. It's HBO. They're not starving. They, they own Sunday nights, um, except for the Super Bowl, which. They really should put that on a different night. <laughs> like, I mean, hey, they're just releasing it, whatever. But um, uh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, how's your anxiety doing with the cordyceps stuff in this series? <laughs> I, you know, I love mushrooms. Um, so it's really tough for me. Like, I, I, I just love them in recipes and everything. So at this point, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll go out like this. Uh, they, they don't seem to be having a bad time. They, they get to live in Boston. They get to take advantage of all the fine eateries there. Um, they get to make out with the, that lovely woman actress. I, I think that, you know, it's not bad to be a mushroom monster. Um, you get know. to make out with that lovely woman actress. <laughs> well, let's play with your anxiety a little bit. Um, unfortunately, the cordyceps fungus family is real, and some are already capable of invading certain aspects or insects, replacing the host tissue and leaving them in a zombie-like state. Uh, this is from the CBC. It's a stretch to say that they could take over human brains and bodies too, but actual fungal evolution and the very real threat these pathogens pose to human health is almost as concerning as science fiction. Quote, people most often think about fungi as foot infections or something kind of trivial as opposed to a deadly disease. But what we have seen is, now that people are actually paying attention, fungi are killing more than 1.5 million people every year. Okay. Okay. You know what? 
for for three three years ago, it was announced that the oxygen is poisonous. At this point, it's like fine. Like you know, it's just like we got through our pandemic. They're starting to advertise new diseases and everything, and I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, sure, another disease that'll cause another pandemic. We've got this. We're nailing this down. I'm ready for it. Bring it on. I don't know that we're nailing it. <laughs> I mean, hey, like we we got through it. It's it's over, according to the president. I'm shutting the Instagram live down because it's acting up. Okay, go for it. Um. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. Uh. Um, quote, we ha- really have almost a silent pandemic, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read this article and I was like, because of course, because of course it's real. <laughs> um, which I think is also a really interesting way that they introduced this. And, you know, with the, you mentioned the flashback in the first episode that kind of introduced this concept. It, it really, it seems more natural than anything I've seen, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, all right, let's switch gears. Knock at the cabin. M Night Shyamalan is back, baby. Uh, he did it. Go, he did it. First fresh it, film Sean. since 2016. Um, I will say this was an A caliber film up until the third act, which felt a little bit rushed. One hundred percent. I'm I'm ve- I'm very disappointed, and like my grade is like pretty low just because it was so great and then really dropped. But I will say this was. This, this is a film I'm recommending to people, though, because it's still a great watch in those first two acts. It's yeah. really a good watch. It's a great film. It's, he does great visual storytelling. He does his classic zoom in on faces, um, which, you know, d- doesn't work in something like The Happening, but really does work in this. Um, Dave Batista is kind of at this next level of an acting. Um, you know, we, we always joke about him because he, he doesn't know how to shut up to the media sometimes. He doesn't say anything bad necessarily, but he just kind of like just says too much. He just says too much sometimes where it's just like, dude, like, you know, don't talk this much to cameras. Um, I, I, but I really do love him as an actor. Um, like, you know, from like, like sprouting out of Drax, which was a great performance from him to like playing these bit roles in Blade Runner 2049. And now this one, which once again, He's doing Batista glasses, which means that it's a serious movie, just like in uh, 2049 when he has the tiny glasses. Um, he's exceptional in this. All of the acting is really good in this. Um, you have the four antagonists that have a desperation and are, okay, well, I'll say this. They're overacting. They're overacting and they're overacting hard. Oh, there's but only I, one person I wasn't happy with in this. Uh, was it Rupert Grint's Boston accent? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I think like when they started writing, like they may have written the movie as they went where they just said, all right, who are we going to kill first? Oh, sorry. This is a little bit of a spoiler, <laughs> but who are we going to take out first? And it's like, oh, well, I guess we'll, you know, handle him. Um, sorry. That was a major spoiler. That I just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. I like really just dropped that. But um, I, um, you know, I, yeah, he was a little bit rough, but they all have this desk. The four of them have like this desperation. And so their, their overacting is sort of justified. Um, because they're so desperate about the world ending and everything. And, you know, then obviously uh, Groth and Aldridge, uh, the two, um, the male couple that uh, gets broken into, are also terrified and are also very scared uh, because, you know, they're obviously there's a home invasion taking place and they think these people are crazy. And so all of their like crazy overacting that they do is like really justified. It's like very theatrical. And, you know, Groth is obviously very theatrical. Um, I, um, I, I, I loved this in the beginning. I think Shyamalan was like doing some of his best directing since like, God help me, like the village. Um, it was just very visually stunning. And then, yeah, it just falls apart. It just rushes itself a little bit towards the end. Um, I almost would have preferred a really stupid twist that didn't make sense to what we got, which was a little bit of a wet fart. I, I was just sort of like bummed that that was how like they decided to end it. And, you know, it, I, I, I assumed it was ramping up to something. 
and there was re- there was going to be some not necessarily a reveal. You don't need a twist. You don't need a twist, but like some sort of like reveal or some sort of elevation. And instead, it was just confirmation, which I I don't know. I I was a little bit uh, you know disappointed by the ending. But man, was this a cool movie until then. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I think that's the thing that really um, bothered me about the film after I left the theater was that uh, it was it, it was an M Night Shyam- it was M Night Shyamalan's most coherent movie, mm-hmm. and that's partly because he didn't M Night Shyamalan it at the end. We didn't yep. get the twist, and what bothers me is that's what he's known for. Mm-hmm. You know, you I think people go into an M Night Shyamalan movie being like, "All right, what's the big twist here? What's how are you gonna shock us?" And I was looking for it during this movie. Um, and you don't, ugh, spoiler alert, we yeah. don't really get that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's what really bothered me. So the storytelling's fine. The third act does feel rushed and it didn't really feel like it went anywhere, um, which kind of frustrated me at the end of the day. I thought that Ben Aldridge was phenomenal opposite mm-hmm. Jonathan Groff. I think they both played each other, played off of each other very well um, and were very believable in terms of their character development. Um, but when it comes to Aldridge, there's something that Shyamalan does with the story that really bothered me. And it's this backstory, these flashbacks that really went nowhere. They, they um, were like all a minute long. <laughs> they were random as shit. They didn't really tell you much. Um, we're, we have to get into spoilers here. So I'm going to go ahead and just say, like, if you're listening now and you haven't seen Knock at the Cabin, fast forward 10 minutes. Um, but the spoiler is that he was... Uh, gay bashed essentially by Rupert Grint's character in a bar. And you think that that's going to play into a bigger connection to something else. And it's absolutely just dropped. There's nothing else there. Uh, And that just seemed really weird to me. It's like they started with it and then just figured like, nah, let's tie it into a nice bow. Uh, Well, not even tie it in a nice bow. Let's just end it on a, like a, a, you know, a a simple front. um, The story that is. And that's sort of how I felt this entire story went. I felt like there were, little morsels that were being dropped that could have led to a bigger twist but part of me feels like down the road the studio was like nah too crazy just stay just stay with a straight story um who knows if that's true but yeah it just really it took the the third act took the wind out of the sails of the rest of the movie the performances remain great dave batista phenomenal he's so good in this um and very believable as this kind of like not, I wouldn't even say I, people are saying a cult leader. It's not a cult leader. It's kind of yeah. like a, you know a, a, a doomsdayer in a sense who has yeah. seen some shit apparently, um, and uh, he's he's good with the other two <laughs> actors except for Rupert Grint who tried a Boston accent for uh, you know one line and then just it went away. He Elizabeth Olsen did yeah. Well, he didn't have he, at first. He was like sounding sort of funny and like I don't know what he was going for. And then when he said, like, I forget what he said. It was like Medford, Massachusetts. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, God, no, please. That was the biggest scream in the theater. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I think the other thing that got me, that gets me with Rupert Grint is like, you know, Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson have done a good job of, I think, I think they've done a good job of shedding the Harry Potter mm-hmm. uh, aura and that, that tag that they're going to have for the rest of their lives. Um, Emma Watson most notably did uh, she was Belle in Beauty and the Beast live action, which I think she was phenomenal in. And then you have Daniel Radcliffe who took a different route and just did like every weird fucking movie he could find um, and continues to, but is really good in them. Like think about like weird Al, you know, like he's so good in that role Um, and he's just goofy. And I think he's kind of broken out of that Harry Potter stigma a little bit. Rupert Grint, aside from doing servant and a couple other things, um, I, 
maybe this is a bold take. I just don't think he's a good actor. I mean, he, he showed of all of them, he's the one that hasn't really broken out of that career, like you said. And, you know, the only really uh, like notable thing he did was another Shyamalan show with Servant, which I haven't really seen. So I can't comment on either way. Um, but, yeah, that's about it for him. And, uh, you know, that's a little bit upsetting, a little bit of a of a of a shame because I, you know, I yeah, like I, I don't know if he could be a good actor or not because, you know, he hasn't really like be, it's tough to break out of that sort of franchisey type of deal. But, yeah, he hasn't really done that. And. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, you know, rooting for him. I, I think there was some sort of like passion in there. It was just like, just don't make him from Massachusetts. Why did you do that? Like make him from London, have it be fun that way. Cause the other people were really great. Um, I believe, oh man, I'm going to butcher the name, but Aiden Quinn was like phenomenal. The line cook. Um, she, I thought she was unbelievable. Oh, she was um, great. She like was I great. really liked her a lot. And when she's given her little speech about mm. like, it was just really good. Yeah. Um, um, and, and then also Nikki Amuka Bird, I really like her. Oh yeah, really like her. What is she from? I I, I unfortunately uh, broke the no phone rule and IMDb in the theater, and I got nothing. But the yeah, outfit. she's in the outfit. Oh that. Oh yep. nice. Yep. You know who I'm talking about? Yes. Oh my god. Um. Oh my god. Wow. Um. Yeah. I um. Uh, it, it's tough because you know Shyamalan always likes to do a little bit more than just a horror and in this it was the very interesting fact of like would you you know save the world um by killing a family member and uh you know I would be like well the world's on its way out anyway so Sam we just get to like you know we both of us get to live we're good um uh, I mean oh, so, oh. I was like yeah. where's this going no yeah no I'd be like no I'll, I'll choose the world <laughs> so um uh no I'll choose the world to die I mean um, but uh, I, I don't know why I'm getting into this right now, but it's an interesting moral <laughs> conundrum that I think like just really got taken nowhere by the end. And, you know, I was a little bit like upset by it, you know, Aldridge is playing the doubter the entire time. And then all of a sudden, like with a split second, he's all of a sudden like on board while Groff is someone who's belie- almost like kind of believing it a little bit more. And I love that there was that dichotomy. And then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, no, boom. <laughs> like, yeah, like, but- they lead you to believe that, like, potentially the reason that Groff's character is is believing all this is because he has a concussion, <laughs> <laughs> which is very real. <laughs> I honestly, I, I when when I I was like, is that what they're trying to do? Because if they are, I'm just refusing to believe that. <laughs> it's just like, um, in the book, apparently that character Groff's character is like very religious, and uh, I thought that would have been an interesting like take to have that happen. And you know, I mean, Shyamalan does love like religious type of movies. Like he doesn't do like faith-based movies, but Signs is a very religious movie. Um, and I, you know, that would have been an interesting way to do it. Um, but, uh, you know, they decided to go a different route and give him a concussion. <laughs> <laughs> but the other aspect of this, though, is that there is a, um, the you know, it is a same-sex couple. And they do have this angle of discussing same-sex relationships and really, I guess, lgbtq people in general and in society and bigotry and things like that in a really sometimes subtle sometimes not so subtle way through aldridge's character really um and to me the introduction of all that felt out of place and then it also never went anywhere um i mean essentially basically he was saying that like he felt like they were being followed by the the four of them um, at which, again, with the Rupert Grint's character uh, revelation, you're like, okay, maybe there is something to this, um, but it, nothing ever comes of it. And it sort of just gets dropped. So in terms of messaging and what they were trying to say there, I I, I think it all just got lost. Um, 
the third act really kind of torpedoed the rest of the movie. They really they, they employed something interesting when the daughter is first talking with uh, Leonard, um, oh. Dave Bautista's character, Daddy Adam. And she uh, Daddy yeah, Adam. like she introduces them as I have two dads, and then like she does sort of do this little ploy where she talks to the guidance counselor or like talks mm -hmm. about her guidance counselor saying, "Yeah, the guidance counselor thinks that's that's a big deal," and it's almost like saying like, "Hey, Shyamalan sort of telling us, by the way, this is not a big deal. Like, don't make this a big deal," which. Is an interesting choice. Um, I, you know, I, I, it's sort of like you know, you you can make fun of it if you want to like call attention to it, but I, I, I don't know. That was a little bit weird, especially with the flashbacks that don't mean anything really. Like, oh, yeah. the family's not into it or something. I don't know, man. And um, I wonder, if, I wonder if part of that, Sean, was like them setting up the potentially like to to give Aldridge's characters belief that this was a targeted thing, a little bit more credence. Because she, the you know, the daughter introduces it to Dave Bautista's Leonard, um, and then Leonard's like looking off, and maybe like we're, we're to believe that he's giving the signal to them, like yeah, let's get them. <laughs> like, this, is like <laughs> this is who we thought it was, or something like that. Um, that's the only thing I can think of because again, like these little morsels don't go anywhere. Yeah, I will say it, there there is a giant criticism. Uh, giant is the key word there, where um, Dave Bautista is like too much of a large human being to be a second grade teacher. I'm going to push back on that right away and say that there are plenty of like giant people that are teddy yeah. bears that are teachers. And so I will like say like, you know, that is the most realistic second grade teacher I've seen. Um, that didn't just, bother like, me at all. I he's was like, such oh. a little teddy bear. And Dave Batista is in general anyway. And you could tell he's like, I don't want to do any of this. And that's almost more like more scary when they're all like breaking in. They're like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like, oh, that means they're like really screwed up or something. They're kind of like, you know, they, they have an obligation and it is it is freaky. Does Dave Batista have a Harry Potter tattoo? Because at one point they look at it, they show his arm and it looked like it was the blue, um, the blue car from the second movie. Oh my god. Uh, the, I was wondering, are those David Batista's actual tattoos? Because like are. there is the moment where Superman. Like, what was the one where his hand is just covered in tattoos, which made a very powerful image when he shook the hand of the uh, young girl, which like I wish That's I true. didn't see a single second of this movie beforehand. Because that would have scared the ever-loving shit out of me. Just him talking to that girl. It's like, we could, we can be friends. I'm like, oh, God! <laughs> like, but I knew that that was going somewhere else. Yeah. But, um, wow, that was a nutty little uh, like opening. What was your rating at the end of the day? I gave it a C because, like, I, I mean, I'm telling you, most of the movie, I was like, holy crap, I'm going to give an M. Night Shyamalan movie an A. I'm really excited about this. And you're like you said, the third act is just rough, man. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I gave it a three out of five. I was like, as I was going in my head, as I was watching it, I was like, this is probably like around a four for me. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, it honestly nosedived to a two at one point. Um, <laughs> and when I was thinking about it more afterwards, there were a few more things that I liked about it than I thought. So I, I made the change. But yeah, right there with you. Um, it's honestly, this is going to be one of the disappointments for me this year, I think. Um, because I think yeah. that it could have been it, it to me, it wasn't an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, and yeah. that's, I think that's what frustrated me at the end of the day. I was expecting something better in terms of the resolution of the story. And we didn't get that. I mean, it's tricky because, you know, he often like, you know, gets criticized for his uh, twists these days. Um, and so people are just sort of like, uh, oh, he only is known for the twist. So maybe he wants to deviate from that. And that's why it looked this way. But yeah, I didn't really get anything from it. I mean, after decades of filmmaking, I think it's a little late to deviate from what made your bread and butter. 
Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. Was your bread and butter? <laughs> well, that, you know, that's always the classic thing where it's like, you know, we get these, uh, including Dave Batista, who's like, I don't want to be in blockbusters anymore. Let's give it five years. The dude's going to be in a DC film with James. Oh, sorry. Hit the mic. <laughs> He's going to be in a DC so excited. film. With James <laughs> so excited about Dave Batista's potential DC movie where like, I, I don't know if that's going to be true or not, but like, yeah, eventually you do have to make coin. Knock at the cabin is fun and all that, but you, you like, you eventually got to make some coin. And Sean, that is an excellent segue here to getting into the news. And the news that we are going to start with is James Gunn and Peter Safran have revealed the first movie and TV projects that are coming from uh, DCU, uh, which is the DC Universe and DC Studios. Uh, so I'm going to run through this pretty quickly, um, but let's get some reaction here. Um, basically, what we learned was that the first inter- the first projects are going to be a part of Chapter 1. Chapter 1 is referred to as Gods and Monsters. Um, this isn't everything out of Chapter 1, uh, but it is a number of projects. Um, they include the following. Creature Commandos, which is a really weird one to start off with, but it's an animated film. I mean, animated project. It's seven episodes, I believe. Um, and it's all written by James Gunn. And it's kind of like another misfit team of heroes. Uh, which is sort of his bread and butter. And yeah. it includes Weasel as well as Rick Flagg Sr. Um, so Rick Flagg being uh, Joel Kinnaman's character from the Suicide Squad. The second one is Waller. This is another TV project. This is a live action TV project for HBO Max. It's been rumored for a while. Uh, this breaks out of Peacemaker season one uh, and the Suicide Squad, really, with uh, Viola Davis returning as Amanda Waller. Uh, and he uh, Gunn mentioned that this will lead into Peacemaker season two and that it will feature the uh, I think he called the team Peacemaker. Um, so uh, she also was in the post credit scene for Black Adam, which I forgot about. <laughs> Was she? Oh, she, she was. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. She loves this. Char- she must really love this character. I was thinking that. <laughs> I'm like, for Viola Davis to do this shit. There's just no reason for her to be doing this character. Um, I I mean, I'm a, like, just to cut it, I'm, I'm a little bit excited for this. I will you say, don't. like, I don't know how we can make a series out of a bureaucratic pencil pusher. I know she's, oh, I, I understand that she's captivating and it's Viola Davis. So in that regard, I'm still excited for this because it's Viola Davis, but I am just like confused of like, why? Like it would be like making, and they're going to make this pretty much, but a Nick Fury series, which they're doing with secret wars basically. But that would be the only like, um, kind of, I, I I'm still excited for it. I, I will watch Viola Davis in a, in a series. Like, absolutely. Like there's no my, doubt. In my I firmly believe that this is going to lead into like a setup for the suicide squad two or something down the road and mm-hmm. probably set up a few other things or a few inklings of like projects that are coming in the future, which we'll mention in a second. There's one in particular that I think this could reveal a little bit of, uh, but the first movie we're getting is July 11th, 2025. This is Superman legacy. That's the title of the new Superman meeting meeting movie which they are referring to as the quote-unquote true beginning of chapter one uh and this is written by james gunn all we know is that this is not an origin story it's going to focus on uh cal l dealing with being superman at a young age i was reading something earlier today that said he's likely around 25 in this movie uh the character which is kind of cool but that is the first big project the first big movie i should say that's going to come out of this relaunched dcu we'll mention at the end of this the movies that are getting uh in between now and then um, (laughs) because there are a few that we have to deal with um lanterns which is probably the series i'm most excited about here um we you know green lantern has been rumored for a while to be part of the future of what everyone that was trying to do something with dc um famously ryan reynolds played him in a really bad movie (laughs) back in i think 2011 (laughs) 
Um, he was a character that was cut from uh, the Snyder Cut. Um, we saw a little bit of him. Was he cut from the Snyder Cut? Or he, he was. Well, he was in a flashback in the Snyder Cut, but I don't think it was like it was one of the Green Lanterns. I'm I'm out of my depth here, but it was like one of the people in a green suit while they were fighting. Uh, big guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not. They, but they also, <laughs> there, there were scenes filmed. I don't know why I'm blanking on this, but there are scene, scenes filmed with the John Stewart uh, character uh, or version of the character uh, who was going to be introduced there. But it seemed like DC just didn't know what they were doing at that point and didn't want those characters introduced, much like they didn't know what to do with Cyborg at the time. Hmm. Um, but anyway, this is a series that will follow two Green Lanterns Hal Jordan, which is the character that uh, Ryan Reynolds played, as well as John Stewart. Uh, and it was likened, the series is likened to the tone of True Detective, which I am <laughs> loving. I am fucking loving that the first season. Yeah, I, I that that <laughs> that was the one where when I heard that and I heard the True Detective comparison, it felt like the beginning of a movie in the 90s called The Player, where like <laughs> Tim Robbins is a producer that's hearing a million pitches and he's like, well, it's like The Graduate, but it's an action movie. <laughs> well, it's like, and it's just like when I heard like True Detective, it's like, oh yeah, this is the exact thing where it's like, that I mean, that's very interesting. I am very interested, like especially like you know, because I would love to see some sort of lanterns type of thing. Mm -hmm. I believe it's going to be yeah, like you said, it's going to be John Stewart and Hal Jordan together. So they, yeah. it'll be like a buddy cop kind of thing. I I I love this idea. I will say that there, this whole thing, and maybe I should say this later, but I'm going to say it now. They're like the James Gunn pitches are dangerously close to like just copying other properties. There's one that they're going to call a Game of Thrones thing. There's one that's like, it's like Game of Thrones. This one's like True Detective. And I'm like, be careful with that. Kind of just make your own thing. Don't try to do something. That being said, still extremely excited for this. Yeah, but it's also like HBO Max shit, though. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like it's all under yeah. the same umbrella. <laughs> um, they're calling this a terrestrial mystery. Uh, and that whatever is at the core of it is apparently going to factor into the larger story of the DCU moving forward. So it is a very important project. The weirdest one, in my opinion, that we got is called The Authority. This is the second mm. film that's going to be there. Um, and it is kind of like an unknown a little bit. It's not a long, I don't believe it's a long run of a comic book, uh, or they have a long run in the comic books, but it is a team of weird superheroes that are dedicated to saving the world in a way that they will do anything to fix it. Um, so he loves these team-ups oh, yeah. of, like, crazy-ass people. Um, and that they'll interact with primary DCU characters. So I guess we're talking about Superman, Batman, uh, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, like, you know, The Flash, The Main Five. Um, and, uh, yeah. We'll this has a that. similar tone I've heard. You know, I, I I will say this right now. All of my takes are basically being stolen from the Ringerverse podcast that did all this stuff because I don't know anything about DC characters. But I heard that this is very similar to... Um, uh, oh god, I just lost. It. Oh, the boys. Um, hmm. except a little bit more light and comedic with it, which like obviously the boys is dark as hell. Um, it's a little bit more light and comedic, but it's the same kind of deal where it's like, what if superheroes existed in this world and were kind of corporate? And I, I think that you know, I, more properties like that are fun. I mean, I obviously love the boys, so it's like okay, like br bring it on. Um, but yeah, you're right. This is James Gunn. You know, this is exactly this whole slate is exactly what I expected of James Gunn. Where it's like, yeah, I'm gonna like you know put polka dot man in there. I'm gonna put like you know a scrubby brush man, and I'm just gonna have all of these like weird people that you guys have never heard of. And it's like, cool, I'm in. Like, I'm 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 in for crazy stuff. Um, mainly, but though this is, it's easy for me to say that. By the way, as someone who's like not even close to a comic book fan, 
So I'm just someone that's like, yeah, cool. Do whatever you want. It's gone. I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I think that's a really good take, though, that you said a minute ago. I keep thinking about it is that they seem to be pulling from a bunch of other properties when they're talking about Game of Thrones or they're talking about True Detective and stuff. And that does make me a little nervous now. That That is also, though, how you market pitches. That and, and yeah. It's unfortunate and it feels shallow and vapid, but that's how you like, especially when it's like huge properties like this. That's how you have to do it. Yeah. But it, it, it's gross, but it's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> the one they're comparing to Game of Thrones is yeah. uh, Paradise Lost. It's a series that is based on Themyscira. Uh, which is the island paradise island which is the um island that wonder woman um is from and this is going to be pre-wonder woman and show sort of what happens in that uh what with women taking over with what what led to all of that on the island so i think that could be really fascinating i'm actually pretty excited about that one too i think done well that could be really fascinating to look at because it's a story that hasn't been told before yeah, I mean, done obviously. Yeah, that's my one thing. It's like, oh yeah, done well. This could be very cool. I, this is the one I think I'm the most worried about um, because it's just like, oh, let's do a Wonder Woman movie without Wonder Woman. Which, like, if you make it interesting, cool. Um, I hope they bring in uh, Connie Nielsen and Robin Wright. I think oh it's way God, before yes. them too. But like that, that's what you have to do. Is you have to bring in like it depends on who they bring in for it. Um, I uh, yeah, like I, I I am interested in this, but it, it does seem like this one is the one I'm most worried about because it's just like it feels like a strange move. But you know, I'm, I'm the Wonder Woman. Uh, obviously, 1984 was a pretty rough Wonder Woman movie. I enjoyed the opening scene, which was them on the island. I enjoyed the Wonder Woman stuff from the uh, first one, and like so, like okay, like you know, <laughs> I love that song. Oh man, I and and what, what I'm mostly worried about is unfortunately what I'm going to probably talk about in my rant. Um, I didn't write it down, but um, it's just that now this like has to be good because otherwise they'll be like, well, then we can't put women in anything anymore because <laughs> oh, because yeah. of course that dumb discourse will happen. Um, you mentioned bringing back Robin Wright and Connie Nielsen. Um, all Amazons reach their peak physical performance and then simply stop aging. Um, so they could be back. That could be, that would be awesome if they brought them in. Oh my God, that would be great. I think that's what you need to do. You need to have some sort of very loose connection because this isn't like House of the Dragons where there's a lot that happened before. Like this one, you really need to like, like have something linked to the movies a little bit, just a little bit. Well, and we'll talk about the loose connections in a second. Yeah. Um, the Brave and the Bold is the new Batman and Robin movie that's coming out. Um, this is separate from Matt Reeves' Batman trilogy, which is being planned. Uh, we did find out that Batman Part 2 is coming out in October of 2025, uh, and that's labeled as an Elseworlds movie, which I kind of like that they're doing in a way. Thank they're, God, yeah. Yeah, they're like, you know what, we're not, we're not... You know, p- pushing this in the Joker is another one. He mentioned Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go, which <laughs> makes me believe that they're doing more with Teen Titans in the future. Um, but uh, this is going to follow Damian, uh, Batman, as well as Damian Wayne as Robin, his ten, his son, uh, who was trained by the League of Assassins, um, and it's only the beginning of the Bat Family in the DCU. Uh, so we're going full Bat Family, and if they don't bring Alicia Silverstone back as Batgirl, no kidding. Um, I, <laughs> I also want to mention here that in the presentation, there was a comment and maybe it wasn't the presentation, but it was just a uh, press that they were doing. Peter Safran uh, kind of doubled down on the cancellation of Batgirl and said that it was absolutely the right decision, that it was a bold decision and that it would have tarnished DC. <laughs> you know How, what, what was means? this movie? I got to be honest. That means that what they really should do is they should release it for one day in theaters. 
I think <laughs> that people would like people would bum rush because I desperately want to see this movie. I know, now. I know. Like I, I like I, I need to see this movie now. So it's unbelievable that they're saying that about a movie that was produced <laughs> underneath them. I mean, not specifically underneath them, but like it is it is bonkers that that was like a take that they said about a movie with it it's it's crazy i feel terrible for everyone involved the directors the actors like all that i mean the, the, there's a part of me that does think that maybe maybe they're all kind of like oh thank god like this was this was bad this was really bad i hated the entire time i was on it like thank god this is getting moved let me let me uh release a statement that says i'm saddened to hear about this but like <laughs> maybe maybe they're all just like oh man we, we dodged a bullet on this one um, I mean, I've heard great things about this comic stretch with um, uh, Damian Wayne, which, by the way, that's going to be so tough because I'm always going to think Damon Wayne. So <laughs> Damian Wayne, Damian Wayne. OK, good. Um, but uh, I, um, I I heard great things about this. And you know what? They're you know, they're still bringing Batman along. They're still bringing Superman here, but they're doing a different portion of uh, yeah. their their uh, life. And so I love that move. And I, so I hope that that, uh, you know, is something they keep on doing. And again, it seems like that's not going to be an origin story for Batman. I mean, mm -hmm. he's already into it. And they said another article I read said that he's probably going to be a little bit older than the yeah. current Superman, but not like Ben Affleck Superman. Uh, yeah, I really hope they feel like they show what happened to his parents because I feel like that's a property they haven't explored that much. Save Martha. <laughs> um, the Booster Gold series. This is another one I'm really pumped about. I heard this is the most bonkers one of all of them. This is the craziest one. Booster Gold is a really cool character. Um, essentially, this is a series that's going to follow um, Michael John Carter, who's from the future and uses time travel uh, and other technology to come back and pretend to be a superhero. I believe he's an actor in the future. Um, and Yeah, he's a fraud and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, they said this is going to be like a comedic series, and I'm all about that. This Why am I more great. excited about the series than anything else? Well, I mean, I, I think that like the series have gone well for like DC. I mean, if you think about it, you got, well, I mean, I'm, I'm putting in one example here. I mean, uh, Peacemaker, Peacemaker, Harley Quinn, which is not a part of this. I think, I think this is like, that's like an Elseworld on top of Elseworld. But um, <laughs> uh, like, I, I do think that like those have done better now. They haven't done as many. And I think it's a risky move to have like, you know, jump into this universe with both series and uh, movies. I mean, it took Marvel three phases to do that, but Marvel is its own thing, um, but uh, it's it. Like I think it's fun that like this is just yeah. What is it called? Rooster Cog, Rooster Gold. You said Rooster Booster Gold, Booster Gold. Okay, so I'm doing well. That um, was yeah. that was a bit, wasn't it? Rooster Cogburn was because that's a character <laughs> in True uh, Grit, but I actually thought it was Rooster Gold. <laughs> like, so that's yep. He's no, he's noting the time. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> um. I yeah I, I'm I mean it's it sounds bonkers and so it sounds like it could be great as this like separate series that yeah sure we'll like occasionally like Batman may pop his head in and be like hey what's going on but like it's gonna be its own thing and I think those are like the most exciting things they can do like yeah it's gonna be very different but I'm very into it um and I think different is good in this case with what we've seen from what we've seen before <laughs> um the let oh there's more oh my god there's two more movies one is supergirl woman of tomorrow uh and this is going to be more of a it seems like a um science fiction type one this is another big store a uh, big comic run that people are really big on um and that's another thing we should say there they're really pulling from the comic runs here um it's which i really like they're taking what worked in the comics and not necessarily uh recreating those stories but taking the aspects that worked in them and bringing them in, which I think is really great and is going to do well for the DC comics as well. I think um, 
on Amazon, all the comics that uh, James Gunn mentioned as being inspiration for uh, chapter one have really um, uh, shot up there and are like bestsellers now. Uh, I think I saw a few of them at Ollie's when I was there. That's uh, actually pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. So I'm going to go to Ollie's and try to find them. Um, so we get Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Not much there. Not much is known. Um, but it says it tells a story. Uh, it tells the story of what happens when somebody with the powers of Superman grows up in a darker place without the love that Clark Kent had around them, um, which I think is cool. Well, yeah, I like the idea of um, I've heard you know like damaged woman and stuff like that. I, I I think like with this, it's like please, please, please. And I know you know men can direct movies about women and stuff like that. Please have a woman director behind this. Um, I think that women directors can kick uh, major ass with action. And it's just please, please have that because I think otherwise it's just an absolute whiff. Because I think they're going to get into the psyche of the superhero women. I mean, what superhero women movies have we seen? It's like Wonder Woman, Patty mm -hmm. Jenkins, pretty awesome. And then Black Widow. And yeah. Birds of Prey. And, Bir and Birds of Prey, which is also like I, I personally think is a pretty damn awesome movie. I know that nobody saw it, but I love Birds of Prey. <laughs> um, there is only one choice for the director here. Go. Emerald Fennel. Oh, I actually really dig that. Oh, that would be very interesting. And that fits the pattern of, hey, low-key low key indie film, indie Sundance film. And then, yeah, let's go right to big budget action, like big budget comic book movie, which is the common occurrence. But I, I actually really like that move. I also want Cooper Rafe to do the Brave and the Bold. Um... Okay, wait a minute. Let me, let me really think about it. Okay, okay. I can definitely see that. I like that. Now You're dealing you... with young uh, Robin and those Angsty, dynamics. like kind of, okay, that's Rafe. That's Rafe. I like that. Okay. James Gunn, we are helping you here. Gunn, um, I hope you're listening. <laughs> so we talked about those little, uh, the indie directors. Now let's talk about a big director attached to the last project, which is Swamp Thing. So well, um, <laughs> before you even keep going, they're ending chapter one with Swamp Thing. I don't know if this is the exact order or just the yeah. way I'm reading it on Cinema Blend right now, but because otherwise, what a move! Like ending chapter one with Swamp Thing, where it's like you know, usually like we end with an Avengers movie or something. It's like no, no, let's do Swamp Thing. <laughs> Swamp Thing will be a true horror story uh, that is totally outside of the rest of the DCU, but will still connect uh, to the rest of the larger franchise. Um, whatever, cool, let's yep. do it. Um, James Mangold is rumored to be attached to this, which I think is hilarious. I mean, I, I, I love that. I hope this means that like people have seen screenings of Indy 5 and they're saying, mm. hey, it's good, let's put him here. So I hope that's what that means. That's how I always forecast all these things. I always say like, hey, that must mean that movie's good. Um, he also did Ford v Ferrari, which is wonderful. And that's the one thing I really like, that my only apprehension with this is like, I think Mangold is a great director. I think he's a great blockbuster director. He knows how to like fish like the last thing from a character, i.e. Logan. Um, I will hope that he still does other movies like Ford v Ferrari and uh, like other things. Like I want you to still do those other separate properties that are a lot of fun as well. Like I hope he, I hope he doesn't just become big time blockbuster guy, which he still nails by the way. So I'm not gonna like be too upset with him, but <laughs> I'll tell, I'll, I'll let him. Know. Yeah, let let him know. Like I don't, I'm not mad at him, uh, but just you know, keep doing Ford v Ferrari movies as well. Oh my god! Oh my god! Um, all right, Le so let's get some thoughts here. Like you, you've given us general thoughts along the way here with DCU uh, and the announcements, and I, I want to stress two things. Well, a couple things. One is that we do have a few movies that are taking us 
that are going to be here before all that happens. The first is Shazam Fury of the Gods, which comes out with anti-vaxxer um, Zachary Levi uh, in March. Right. He's just against Big Pharma. It's not about... <laughs> he's he's being an ass right Good now. Good little backdoor argument right there, dude. <laughs> um, so you got him. You've got... Uh, after that, you got The Flash coming out, which uh, Gunn referred to as he thinks it's one of the best superhero movies ever made. And that is in line with what was coming out last year with a lot of the test screenings that this is going to be really good. And it is going to reset the DCU. What he also mentioned was that, uh, and this was in a response to a tweet because that's how James Gunn communicates, uh, that um, it's going to reset some of the characters, but not all the characters. That's why you have like Amanda Waller, uh, Viola Davis's Amanda Waller as the same pre and post The Flash. So I'm sure that will get, maybe that's putting a little bit... Uh, giving it a little bit more um, uh, <laughs> trust. Um, but I'm sure the Flash will figure this all out. Um, so we got that coming. Um, we have Blue Beetle, which uh, it was also mentioned that that fits in nicely to the DCU moving forward. Uh, and that comes out this summer. And then we have uh, Aquaman, uh, The Lost Kingdom, the sequel to Aquaman uh, 2. I mean, Aquaman 1. Um, Sean's favorite movie ever. So movie ever. <laughs> we have all that happening. We don't know the status of actors such as uh, Zachary Levi, uh, Jason Momoa, and um, Ezra Miller. But on the Levi front as well, as, well, on the Levi front, there was a comment that said from James Gunn where he said he can't make creative decisions uh, or change his plans because of stupid stuff that an actor tweets um, which would refer to exactly if anybody the... knows anything about it's James Gunn who knows how to get fired for tweets. <laughs> um, so we got that. Uh, it seems like Jason Momoa is really excited moving forward um, with his character, and it was mentioned that there won't be duplicate duplicative characters here, meaning our actors here that the actors that play one character will not play another character in the same universe, which seems to poo poo that whole like Jason Momoa is going to play Aquaman and then Lobo. Um, the other thing that they're hoping to do is that in the animated series, if the when they're switching between characters appearing in an animated show or movie and then the live action, they want them played by or voiced by the same actors, which is kind of different. I hate that move. Yeah. I think there's voice actor like I mean, like Kevin, Con like you know, RIP to Kevin Conroy. But like, what are we talking about here? Like that yeah. that dude wouldn't do a live action Batman, but he's really good as the voice. He's yeah. a, a, like, oh, not the original voice, but like pretty close, like the most established voice. And it's like, that's just such a weird move. I think, you know, there's voice actors that are great that don't exactly fit. I, I, I hated that move. I really hope that is something that they hopefully change. I don't remember how he said it, but it kind of was like a, not a where applicable thing, but it was like when when possible i guess um and then the last one is ezra miller uh ezra miller has been in the news for a whole charade of things and um parade of things i should say parade of charades uh and he and they are um apparently doing the work behind the scenes in like some sort of rehab doing some uh mental health work and all that so it seems like that's a conversation that still needs to be had about the future of uh ezra miller as the flash but um, Sean, just general thoughts on this whole thing. Where do you think we're going? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where these, like how these three movies are received. It's going to be interesting to see like what they would want to do with them after that. Um, cause it seems like, you know, Hey, they've got like the next, uh, quite a few years mapped out and there's no real Aquaman in those years. And, you know, maybe he's already got a chapter two brewing and he's ready to go with that. Or, you know, I, it just seemed like maybe they will just be cameo situations, but 
Um, it'll it'll see how interesting it is to gel. I will just say, like in general, I'm pretty excited, mainly because I don't. I mean, I I don't know anything about comic books when it's famous comic books, but it does seem like he's mining interesting stories that aren't usually some of the most popular, and so. I'll be interested to see where that goes. And I think that's where Gunn like tries to find his magic. I mean, as we always like tease him about like how he does like weird ass polka dot man, or he does like, uh, you know, uh, guardians of the galaxy, which was like never read by anybody. And he makes them into popular lore. And I'm like, I'm, I'm in for that, for this stuff. And it'll be interesting to see if like a whole universe can stand on that. But also I've always been the kind of guy that's like, you know, thank God for this Elseworld crap. Like, just like, you know, just do your own. Like, DC was having fun when they didn't really try to connect anything and try to be like Marvel. And now we see, like, Marvel's Phase 4 was not a mess, but it was a little bit dicey. And I, I think it was just more fun to enjoy Marvel properties on their own as opposed to, like, saying, like, yes, but how does it connect to the real universe? I'm like, you did end game. Like, I know you're going to want to keep connecting a universe, but I don't think it's going to be as stable anymore. It's like, have fun with solitary movies now. They're making a universe out of it, sure, but like I think it's going to be a little bit more casual. They're going to be a little bit more loose with the connections, which I yeah. think is a, I, I think that's a smart move instead of like you know shackling yourself to you know something that, uh, you know, while is sustainable, is also can be somewhat miraculous. Like let's face yeah. it, Endgame was like a miracle, like that they actually pulled that off. You can't do that twice. So enjoy yourself with these movies, connect them loosely if you want to, but have fun, man. <laughs> have fun, man. Um, <laughs> The, we should also mention two things here. One is that uh, there is another Elseworlds Worlds project still in the works. And that's, um, we. I didn't mention Joker Part 2 or Joker Folle de la Du. Menage a Trois. Menage Trois de la But J.J. Uh, Abrams and T uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates were working on a Black Superman oh, project. Yes, yes, yes. And that's still in the works. And that's going to be an Elseworlds project as well. Um, the other piece here is that what was already released about chapter one is only about the first half of chapter one. Uh, and they said that the eight to 10 year mapped out, out plan, which came together with in apparently a room of a bunch of writers and stuff like they, they mapped all this out, a team of them, which I really like um, that chat that will probably get us through chapter two. So eight to 10 years, we're looking at like chapter two, which apparently has like a natural end to the story that uh, Saffron and Gunn want to tell. But that's not the end of the universe. It just gets them to that point before they move forward with whatever else is coming. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can happen at that point, depending on where we are with the story. There's the resets that happen in the comics with things like the Flashpoint and all that. Um, but I, I'm with you. I'm excited about all this. I wasn't overly uh jazzed when i first read the announcement um sitting in epcot um, i was like oh this is it um but uh that's the perfect place by the way to be reading dc announcements <laughs> is while you're in disney <laughs> i literally went in early to read it because i was like i need to be there to read it and film myself reacting um so uh, but I'm, i want to i mean i want to give them the time to figure all of it out and we honestly or obviously just know what the plans are right now but we don't know what it's going to look like in terms of casting what, it, what the actual tone is going to look like and all that so uh i'm excited to see that they are trying different things and hopefully that it lays a good foundation um guy Ritchie is laying a good foundation for his next movie that stars henry cavill uh this is a movie called uh the ministry of ungentleman uh, ungentlemanly warfare it is a war film, uh, obviously, that is go uh, he's making with Jerry Bruckheimer, so explosions galore. Oh, um, and it's Henry Cavill <laughs> and Isaac Gonzalez, who are now joined by Alan Richson, Henry Golding, Henry Zaga, 
Alex Pettifer, who, wow, welcome back, Alex Pettifer. Um, Carrie Yules, uh, Hero Finds Tiffin, Fiends Tiffin. <laughs> um, Babs Alusamakan. That's terrible. I apologize. From Dune and Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, and Till Schweiger from Inglorious oh, Bastards wow. and Atomic Blonde. Um, basically, it's a true story that follows UK Prime Minister Winston Churchill and Ian Fleming's secret World War II combat organization um, when they are fighting the Nazis. Um, and it is said to have given birth to the modern black ops unit per deadline. Um, I'm actually I'm pumped for this. It's, uh, the cast sounds amazing. This is like, you know, I mean, obviously we have our difference of opinion on Aladdin movies and such, but uh, this is Guy Ritchie in his pocket. This is exactly where he operates at full capacity. He's already done a movie with Cavill, which I is very underrated, The Man from Uncle. Um, I, um, I, I am so excited for this. Um, it's weird, though. Guy Ritchie has another film in between this. The guy is putting in work. It's like the consultant or something like that that just came out with its trailer. So this guy's an absolute bonkers worker. But yeah. I mean, th this is I mean, when you just describe that, uh, you know, plot the, that plot, it's like, oh, yeah, if I didn't know it was Guy Ritchie, I would say the best person to direct this is Guy Ritchie, <laughs> like an, an, a, a virtually unknown, huge British cast. And it's like just like people just kicking ass the entire time. It's like that's the, this is this is Guy Ritchie in the best of Guy Ritchie. Yeah, I'm actually I'm really excited for this. I think the cast is solid. Of, of course, I love Cavill, so I'm excited for that. And um, uh, I think you're right. The story is exactly what is going to draw me in here because that's a really fascinating angle to look at a war uh, war film from or to to make a war film about. Um, I'm pumped about this next story. It knew it was happening. They mentioned it after the last movie did did so well. Um, but we were just mentioning their previous unreleased movie. Director uh, Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falal are returning to direct Bad Boys 4 with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence returning as well. Uh, this is the sequel to Bad Boys for Life, which came out right as the pandemic was getting going, um, but was a solid third movie that I think a lot of people were surprised by because, you know, it's a third movie in a, a franchise that people really enjoy. And the second one was so freaking good. Um, but it made $840.7 million at the global box office, which is pretty impressive for early COVID times. Um, we don't really know any of the story here. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm pumped about this. I'm really excited. It's going to be interesting to see what the reaction is, uh, and what the reception for the film is given, uh, Will Smith slap heard around the world almost a year ago now. People are almost starting to redeem him a little bit for that. I personally think it was still a shitty thing to do, but I guess, you know, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm moving past, I'm trying to move past it as well. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about this too. I don't know where the story goes. It's not like the two of them died at the end of the movie, but like they, they're, they're getting pretty old. And this was like playing off that very nicely. And it's like, oh, they're just going to do more, like a lot older jokes kind of deal. But I, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think that uh, I'm, <laughs> scooter is licking uh putting his tongue in your mouth scooter just frenched me um i, I was like i'm just gonna ignore him and it's like nope i'm not um, meanwhile cal's in the background just trying to sleep <laughs> yeah exactly yeah is that him on the couch that's him on the couch he hasn't oh, done this yeah, yet man. so this, this, oh man it's it's like i wish he could take his nap right now but he will not take <laughs> his nap he's he's being mad that i'm not taking out for a walk um regardless uh i'm excited for this uh it was a really fun really great action movie 
Um, I, I love the jokes of it was the, uh, you know, uh, highest grossing film of 2020, but you know, Hey, still works, <laughs> like whatever works. Um, no, I'm, I'm hoping that this, um, this, uh, does well. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, it's, it's an action comedy. It's not a, uh, you know, serious slave drama. So there's a chance that like, you know, people just sort of receive Will Smith pretty warmly and like, they're just like, Hey, he's making us laugh again. We're okay with this. Um, I just don't know where it's going to go, but that's my one concern. But after that, it's like, okay, fine. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I'm kind of okay with another, like, I don't know, dumb story, if you will. And bring We're really back... old. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. And bring back the young guys again, like Alexander Ludwig and all of them like that. Vanessa I... Hutchins was great. In that. And Vanessa Hutchins. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Bring them back in. I'm, I'm very happy with them coming back. Um, it's funny because Martin Lawrence's character in this uh, series has tried to retire like every film. <laughs> Well, Danny Glover was retiring in the first Lethal Weapon. We have to remember that. In the first Lethal Weapon, he was slated to retire. Didn't they just make <laughs> Lethal Weapon 5 or they are or something? I think they want to with Mel Gibson directing, and then they think, maybe we shouldn't do this. <laughs> Lethal Weapon 5. They've been trying to do it for a while now. Uh, it is... Uh... Do you bring back Pesci? Do you bring back Chris Rock? Oh, that's right. Let... Uh... In 2021, the script has been written by the Equalizers, Richard Wenk, and Gibson okay. is hope, hoping to start shooting in 2023. It is being directed by Gibson. <laughs> yeah, no, they're really, oh, cancel culture is good. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> Just, time heals all wounds, apparently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> time heals all, never mind. Um, last story for today is Creed 4 is in the works, even before Creed 3 is coming out. Uh, and this comes from Mr. Uh, Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan himself. Uh, he said the Creed 4 is for sure in the works. Um, and that quote, I just want to expand the Creed verse, <laughs> the Creed verse within reason, but definitely expect other things around Creed for sure. Uh, so that's teasing some um, uh, spinoffs there. Uh, of course, the next one is going to have Jordan's Adonis Creed. Uh, going up against Jonathan Majors, Damian Dame Anderson. Uh, Majors having a year. Um, so, uh, yeah, we should see. I'm so excited for Creed 3, even though I know, like, my my mental, like, cinephile instinct should say, it's going to be shit. Why are you excited for this? But I'm so excited for Creed 3. Just, like, I think Jonathan Majors in general just is such a good villain. I think it'll be a, an absolute blast. And you're right, he is having, like, an amazing year. Um, yeah, like just kind of like Bad Boys 4, having no idea where they're going to go with this. I, I, they, they should learn their lesson that you know, if you keep doing Rocky movies, they end up being bad, then they end up being good, and then you know, so I guess like it's going to be tough to do it this way, but you know, I, I I will say I was very disappointed by Creed 2. I thought that that was a lot like, of people were. like a little bit of a lame movie. This one looks great, even though it's employing a lot of like usual third movie things where it's like, you had a friend, bring him in, <laughs> but. I, I'm in. I'm in. I mean, it's 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 dicey, but you know, it's, it's like one of these things. We have to see how he looks. This is also my common take that I do. It's like you know, well, if they're making a fourth one, that means the third one is going well. So that's like my usual thing to say. So it's like, hey, good news for the third one. Hopefully, maybe. Sports radio yesterday was talking about the Rocky movies. Sports radio in Philly, I should mention, which is always a special thing. Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> but they were joking around. Uh, they're riding high now. Uh, but they were <laughs> they were talking about uh, the Rocky movies, and someone was uh, Anthony Gargano was saying, you know, Rocky Five. All of a sudden, you have um, 
Sylvester Stallone's character giving all these big speeches and stuff after he like <laughs> he couldn't even read and like barely put together a sentence before and they're like all of a sudden he's a linguist. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, God. Le- leave also just you know just to bash them for a second. Leave it to Philly Sports Radio. Your team is in the Super Bowl and you guys are still talking about the fictional Philly hero of Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Excuse me. There are two weeks between games. There's a lot of airtime to fill <laughs> and they bring up Rocky Balboa because this news broke and it's a a Philadelphia (laughs) institution that and your team still went during the Super Bowl and tried putting shit on uh, Rocky uh, like every team does Um, because of course we have a statue for a fictional character out front of our art museum (laughs) I mean god bless us both there's no worse fans in the world than New York Philly and Boston fans they are the whole Northeast really is just (laughs) I don't know why we just like our sports are like our god but uh, you know we are we are just all dreadful people that talk funny that's that's how (laughs) you look at it that's how you gotta look at it (laughs) I have no accent. All right, uh, let's move into Rants and Raves. I'm going to start off here. Uh, that 90s show got renewed. I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, 10 episodes for the first season and the uh, 16 episodes for the second season. So they went up in episode count, uh, which is great. I'm hoping uh, – I think a lot of people are in the same boat, that they enjoyed the first season and we're hoping that a second season would give them time to flesh it out a little bit more uh, and for the young actors to sort of get settled in and become more comfortable. Um, but there was just something about that first season that I said it was like a warm hug. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I'm very excited to see that this is coming back. And it's nice to see that Netflix is not just like cutting the bait and running again with uh, every series. It's it's a great business decision from Netflix. This is an extremely popular show. Um, I, I just haven't watched it just because this is my weird completest thing where I'm like, I, oh, I, I technically didn't watch that 70s show. So I shouldn't watch this when probably I could get all the jokes pretty easily. <laughs> like, I don't think it's that, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of know the characters. So I could, I think the tone though, the tone of the yeah. first series is really what like this plays off of. So I do get that. Like I, yeah. I would watch the first, it, it goes fast though. It's so good. Oh yeah. I'm, I, I may eventually like, you know, like, cave in and watch it just for fun but uh just like i'll watch like you know i'm probably gonna be i don't know if i'll end up watching the magic mike movies so i might just be like you know uh, magic mike xxl or whatever no what's this new one called last dance i might just watch last dance and just be like okay (laughs) i have my i have my screening on wednesday and if there are not strippers there god help me they just bring back the Megan dolls. <laughs> <laughs> People can't see that, but <laughs> the dancing Megans. The dancing Megans. If the dancing Megans are not at the Oscars, they've they've just messed up. Well, the Oscars are they'll probably mess up because they're dumb fucks the Oscars, in a lot yeah. of ways. If it's the um, dancing Megans dancing to Natu Natu, that's all I need. <laughs> that's all I need in this world. Oh my god. Um, all right, what's your rant or rave for today, Sean Phillips? So my rant is about uh, a pretty terrible show, but an even worse discourse. Um, Velma, the animated show on HBO Max, is really bad. Um, it's like just genuinely not funny. It's kind of like the recycled Mindy Kaling humor, which I like a lot of Mindy Kaling properties, but this one just like it's the same kind of jokes. It's very stale. But the discourse is even worse where, you know, obviously this got review bombed because Velma, they replaced Velma in the animate, this is an animated show. And they have Velma be a woman of color who is also, um, you know, at this point by curious. And so obviously that's going to just piss everyone off. Um, and it's just tough because now that this movie's bad, of course, that narrative like plays in where like it's bad because they tried to push politics. No, it's bad because it's just not funny. TV and show. it's yeah, oh God. And um, oh, did I say movie. Yeah. Oh, of course I did. 
I do that all the time with reviews too. I type in film when I mean TV show all the time. Uh, but yeah, this is just like, it's just really rough. And uh, I think that the reaction is also really difficult. And unfortunately, this is the kind of thing where like these type of shows aren't allowed to suck. And it's like, damn it. Because like it's just like, let, let a show like this suck where like they try to push diversity and it doesn't work, but it should just be allowed to fail on its own because of the humor, but instead it's failing um, or it's going to fail because of other things. And people are going to obviously look at that the wrong way. Um, and that whole situation is what really you know, like bothers me about it. Um, you know, it's like the worst reviewed uh, show on IMDb. Um, and obviously that could be for a number of reasons. Some that are unfortunately very obvious and some that are, it actually isn't that great of a show. So it almost like deserves it. Then of course this uproots the new Mindy Kaling controversy where she, um, you know, like, uh, like literally forced, uh, for like, you know, unconsensually kissed someone and then threatened to fire them if they said anything. So this, it, it all has become gross where, you know, not that, not to like bring it to, you know, well, plenty of men done that and they're like having fine careers, but it is a little bit true. There's like this, like rough group of people that look for these opportunities to bash people who deserve it by the way a show that deserves it a creator at this point that deserves like this controversy but they kind of zero into those instead and i think that that's like something that um i will say velma is trying to be harley quinn the other animated show on hbo max that is genuinely funny does push diversity does tell an entirely different universe of a story which is genuinely hysterical so I really, really, really want like, you know, like people to watch Harley Quinn instead, which I think I had a rave about like about a year ago that I finally finished up the third season. It's a great show. And it's like, watch that instead of Velma. And let's just try to forget that Velma exists on every plane. Well, you can forget about it until season two comes out because it has been greenlit for a season two. Did it actually get greenlit? I remember that was the thing where it's like, did it really get greenlit? Yikes. Let's hope it's like glow where they like ax it after like the terrible react. Did it really get greenlit? Oh man. I was really hoping that wasn't going to be the case. Well, there we go. <laughs> Controversy uh, breeds watchers, I guess. Um, I, I just had a segue that I wanted to say something. I can't remember what it is. I lost my thought. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I don't know what it was anyway. Um, yeah. I've heard nothing but, terrible things about that show uh and i have zero interest in watching it to be quite well, honest because so, of course like, i heard the terrible things online and i was like well this is just assholes doing that so i started watching it i'm like oh no shit it actually is bad <laughs> um you mentioned uh accusations and stuff uh we're not going to cover it much here but i will say that um there is an interview that has been published with army hammer um and he is saying that he was abused by a pastor as a child denies sexual violence and uh, allegations um all that so you can go out and read that if you would like i just skimmed over it a little bit and it seems like Yikes. a little bit of uh recentering as the victim um which i don't love but i didn't give it a, a thorough read yeah um but sean coming out this week you'll be happy to know that there's a harley quinn special called a very problematic valentine's day special uh coming out on hbo max on thursday followed by titanic the 25 year anniversary in theaters i think i want to go see that again I, it's nowhere near my I'm, – I'm, like, pissed. This is, like, not in my theaters at all. And I'm, like, really mad about that because Sam and I would see that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like, I would love to see that in theaters again. Every night in my, my dreams, I see you. It's creepy. Uh, so that is my the song that uh, Sam uh, plays for me when I'm having anxiety attacks because it causes me to, like, replay it and everything like that. And so that turned up to be number one on her Spotify playlist at the end of the year. <laughs> 
it was uh, it was great when she posted that, and everyone's like, "Really?" And she's like, "I don't know. Yeah, can't tell you why." Um, listen to the podcast for the explanation. Magic Mike's Last Dance comes out in theaters on Friday. Somebody I used to know comes out on Prime Video on Friday, and Your Place or Mine comes out on Netflix on Friday. Lots, not I mean, really not a lot actually. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, you bumped that one pretty quick. <laughs> Woo! Um, yeah, stuff going on there. Um, I want to go see Infinity Pool this week. I think that's on my schedule as well as um, 80 for Brady, people are saying, is extremely charming. Oh, God. I See, now my issue is, like, do I really want to go out in this cold weather to see 80 for Brady? Because that's going to be my last one. It's like, I, I guess so. I mean, I feel like I have an obligation as a Boston sports fan. Um, but, you know. Between this you also have the pitch, weekend like, open. You need to get yourself to the theater, sir. I, I will need to eventually go outside, probably. Yes. Um, need to eventually go outside. One, one of these days, I'll have to probably go outside to feed myself or wash. Um, but, yeah. I'm trying to look right now to see if it is playing um, here. Uh, but um, uh, 80 for Brady is. 80 for Brady also, by the way, and Knock at the Cabin are neck and neck as of uh, this morning. Oh, I was predicting. Well, actually, I don't know if I was really hardcore predicting it, but I could really see eighty for Brady taking the top spot. Like Box just... Office Report has it as second, coming in second. Oh, to... um, M Night is you, you can't you can't deny M Night. Significant though. I mean, they have Knock at the Cabin as twenty one and eighty for Brady is fifteen. So it'll be interesting to see what happens oh, today. That could be something cool. Yeah. Um, it looks like in, oh, Infinity Pool is playing down the street. Oh my god! I am I am so excited for your takes on Infinity Pool. It's either going to be a one or a five. <laughs> like... Oh, I hate those movies. <laughs> yes. I hate those movies so much. Oh, it's going to be it, this one will be an interesting one. That'll be a fun one. Uh, we'll we'll have to, even though it's not a breaking movie, we'll have, we might have to talk about that one <laughs> next. Oh next god! Plot. Oh god! <laughs> um, all right, Sean. Uh, we'll we'll chat soon. We'll chat soon. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we'll chat soon. After chatting for an hour, we'll chat. After chatting for an hour and 20 minutes, I'll text you in five. Bye. <laughs> the Guy at the Movies podcast is a joint venture between Math Teacher Movies and Guy at the Movies. You can catch new episodes weekly right here wherever you're listening to this one. Subscribe so you never miss a beat.